Welcome. I'm Lauren Ash, and you're listening to the Black Girl in Ohm podcast. Black Girl in Ohm exists to hold and catalyze healing within Black women around the world on their unique journeys towards wholeness. We support the necessary transformation, spiritual awakening, consciousness shifts, and intergenerational healing occurring within the diaspora. This podcast is a warm embrace, soothing realness, and conscious girl talk. Come into conversation with me and our spirit-centered guests. Let the journey begin. Hey y'all, hey community. I want you to close your eyes and just picture a sisterhood that's filled with thousands of journeyers just like you, lifting one another up, spiritual teachers, thought leaders, wellness practitioners pouring into you with their insights. Open your eyes and you should probably head over to blackgirlhome.com because we have this community for you. The Circle sources our members with empowering guides, divinely ordained connections, and culturally aligned resources for you as you expand into your most authentic self. I'm so grateful that enrollment is open and it won't be for long, so be sure to head over to blackgirlnome.com and check out The Circle. Thank you so much, Tracy, for coming on the Black Girl Gnome podcast. I feel just complete awe and gratitude in advance because I know that from personal experience being supported by you and sharing space with you in various gatherings, you just truly radiate that which you are passionate about. And if it's a sentence or if it's a practice or if it's a glance in your direction, (laughs) I personally feel like there is just healing that happens in your presence. So thank you. Mm, I receive that. And I love that reflection because that's part of my dharma in the world. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. We are going to get started with something that I'm personally curious about. You've been Mm -hmm. a teacher of mine, and it's interesting that although I've heard about your stepping into your dharma, particularly through studying yoga nidra, like I've heard it at a high level, right? 1995, that's when you started studying it. But what influenced your gravitation towards yoga Mm. towards Tantra, and then eventually specifically getting into Yoga Nidra? Mm, That's a really great question. Thank you. (laughs) So I think that what gravitated me towards really deciding to deepen my study of yoga, kind of beyond the physical asana, was that I was in pain. I was in suffering without really knowing it. And the yoga practice began to reveal and peel back layers of suffering and bring a new level of awareness. Wow. And in that awareness, I also learned about Tantra and through those Tantric practices and being initiated into Sri Vidya Tantra and the lineage of the Himalayan masters, what I also began to understand first from an intellectual standpoint was that there's this place inside of us that is said to be beyond all sorrow, beyond all conditioning, 
beyond all experiences and that it's eternal and it's radiant and it is untouched by anything or anyone. So doing these practices and then eventually starting to get a glimpse that that's more than just an intellectual idea, that it's actually an eternal truth. Mm. That's what led me to continue going deeper and deeper and deeper into practice and into study. And then eventually, because, you know, I was the power yogi doing all the vinyasas and the things, and then luckily was introduced to the practice of yoga nidra, which is basically we can say sleep with a slight trace of awareness, how it's often been described. And I began to balance those two things. So doing the vinyasa and ending my practices with yoga nidra and deep relaxation practices. And then at some point I had an experience of my subtle body and awareness, what I could say of prana. And that was through the practice of yoga nidra. Wow. And so from there, it was like, oh, I've always been gravitating towards practices of stillness like meditation, but this practice is something that we all need because when we come back from this practice, even though it is a spiritual practice that leads you to understanding your true nature or to touching your true nature, the thing that comes back with you is this rest, rejuvenation, nurturing. And at that time in my life, I had a very intense career as an executive. And so it was the medicine that I needed. And I also recognized it was the medicine that the world needs for yes. many different reasons. And for many different people, they need it for different reasons. Wow. I find it so powerful to hear you share about this moment where you really awakened and felt your subtle body. <laughs> we talk a lot about energy, right? You can feel energy. We know that everything is energy. And for you to feel it in such a profound way that it led you to a more expanded curiosity, perhaps, around what that was and how to make that be a more continued part of your life, right? It's not just this experience that I had once and that was nice or that was profound, but you said, there's something here. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, my teachers always encouraged us to go deeper, to keep going. It's like this practice of yoga is a lifelong practice. It's not just like, oh, I saw the color purple at my third eye center and it's over. It's like, no, there's, there's more. We're, we're continuing to just reveal and reveal and reveal. So I just feel grateful to be able to have these tools. Yes. You spoke to the Himalayan masters and you spoke to, I don't want to mispronounce it, the lineage. Sri Vidya Tantra. Yes. Yeah. I know that from sharing space with you, you're always paying homage to lineage and always pointing to this beautiful, long and vast history of teachers and teachings and, and wisdoms. And I think I notice that so much because I still very much am a baby in my yoga practice and as a yoga teacher. And when I think about the ways that I have been 
shaped in terms of teachers. I know that it's within mostly a Western construct around it. It's like you were speaking to earlier, your vinyasa practice, right? Like I got my first training at Core Power, which is like honestly the most Western you can get. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for it, right? Because yeah, of course. that's what led to so much in my life right now. But slash and I'm also able to recognize with my expanded awareness and with the the studying that I have done since then, really more so of how it's placed <laughs> within <laughs> within the vast <laughs> history that is yoga. And I remember actually two years ago, I met this really beautiful black woman yoga teacher very involved with the black yoga teacher alliance and when she asked me you know what lineage i practice within i honestly didn't have an answer i felt very convicted (laughs) in that moment Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i felt also very curious you know so whenever i do meet as i did in her and as i have in you particularly a black woman who really embodies the practice who teaches the practice and is deeply deeply connected to a lineage i'm like this is just so beautiful and i think i would like to just have this conversation about how you understand lineage and why it's important to connect and really honor lineage Mm. as a yoga practitioner and as a yoga teacher? Yeah, I mean, you want to know the source of where things come from, right? If I make a bowl of medicine for you because you're not feeling well, and I hand you this bowl of medicine, your first question is probably going to be, what's in this? Where did it come from? Where did you get this recipe? Right? And I think that if we really want to be fully nourished by the practices, that lineage, especially when you're coming from an unbroken lineage of teachings that's been passed down from teacher to teacher to teacher, that on one hand, you have a connection, you have a thread that leads back to the very first sage, the very first rishika or rishi, otherwise known as the original seers of yoga that were there in the forest doing these practices and having these amazing realizations and then passing these teachings down to their students. And those teachings then have power. It's much different than someone giving you information and then you have information to pass along. And that's not to say that you can't take that information and then begin to embody that information because you're practicing it and it starts to live within your cells. And then you do your own research to find out where the source of some of the teachings are coming from. And then I think being a part of lineage also asks you to be respectful and to be devoted and to be really clear when you share those teachings, Mm. that we don't take the teachings and not give homage to where they came from. And it's not to say that you don't take a teaching or receive a teaching and have it live in you. And then because of your own uniqueness in this world and your own unique experiences with that practice or with those lineage practices that you don't then be able to share them with your own unique voice. Right. But as long as you, and this is just my personal opinion, as long as you are sharing where they came from, that allows people to have the resource 
to be able to go back and to find out where they are. Yeah. Where did they come from? How is it just a little bit maybe different because it's coming through my lens as opposed to this other lens? Yes. Thank you for that. It was really illuminating for me to hear you speak to that. And I know so many people within our community who are listening are yoga teachers currently, right? Or aspiring yoga teachers. And I think that, again, because of the ways that the the wellness industry functions here in the West, oftentimes, at least it's been my experience, we can be distanced from the lineage behind something that we're getting trained in. And then it's like, well, what is training really about? Why? Yeah. And I think that goes to the Western concept of trying to own something Mm. and trying to brand something. Mm. Because the minute I disconnect it from its original source, then it becomes mine, so to speak. Right. And then when it's mine, I control who gets it. I don't have to be generous. It becomes this whole thing. And so as Black women as well, and as does everyone, But we have this other reclaiming of lineage Mm. of our ancestors, of those practices that I really believe can also come through you when you really allow yourself to steep into nature and to steep into other practices, because all of these wisdoms and all of these truths are all connected. Yes. Thank you for that. I know that... You are the author of a book, and it is out in the world as of the release of this podcast. And I'd like to just hear from you what your intention is as this book makes its way into the hands of all those of us who have pre-ordered. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. I saw that email. I said, yep. (laughs) (laughs) But your book is called Radiant Rest, Yoga Nidra for Deep Relaxation. Deep Relaxation and Awakened Clarity. And Awakened Clarity. Beautiful. Let's talk about it. What was your intention in writing this book? Mm. You know, my intention really goes back to your previous question, is really allowing my unique understanding and experience of this practice to shine forth. You know, I was asked by Shambhala to write this book on Yoga Nidra. And I really had to sit with it to decide if that was something that I wanted to do because there are so many other books about Yoga Nidra. Mm -hmm. And what I understood is that my experience and the way that I spoke about Yoga Nidra was a lot different than some of the other teachers and people were able to receive it in a different way because of that. And so really my intention, I think as with everything that I offer is to really have this book be an offering so that people understand that they are worthy Mm. and that they stop waiting to be ready to receive what is their birthright and that I believe that the path of practicing yoga nidra is a way into that. And it's one of the reasons why I always bring in self-inquiry and swadhyaya into everything that I do, as well as in this book, is that it allows us to start peeling back the layers. Mm. So ultimately, as a teacher, we're always trying to point 
to the light within. Yes. And just to be able to to show the many paths that we may have traveled or we may have studied to just give these tools. And that's it. This is a path to understanding your true power, to understanding and knowing your true radiance. And at the same time, being able to reclaim rest. And so my hope is that it's received in a way that people know that they don't have to go to, not like that we're going to any yoga studio right now, but that they don't have to go to a yoga studio. They don't have to go to a cave. They don't have to travel to India. They don't have to pay this, this, this money to be able to get and receive these teachings. Yoga Nidra is a practice that you can give to yourself. Mm. Once you know the steps, you can self-guide. You know, the book comes with six free audio practices. So it's great because you can just buy the book and lay down and listen to the practices. But it's really just about giving yourself the permission to be able to receive everything that, that really you deserve. I feel like we need to marinate on that statement you just said. The majority of our community, of course, are Black women. And that is one of the most powerful gifts that we can give ourselves because it's so counter to what we're conditioned to believe that we're deserving of. I know that for me, Yoga Nidra has been practice and and we'll talk about yoga nidra and, and like what and who it is in a moment just in case those listening don't know but i just wanted to kind of share my entryway into it and how profound it's been for me i f- first i kind of forget this sometimes but I actually first was introduced to the practice in the first year of black girl and home actually it was in 2015 and at the time I had been inviting other Black practitioners to also guide, you know, sessions. And this beautiful practitioner, Jessica, came and and guided a yoga nidra practice. I actually remember it. Like, I remember it, even though it was that long ago. And to be honest, it feels like if I didn't understand how now so powerfully I am connected to the practice, it feels random that I remember it. But I remember it because it was so important, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember very few specific yoga classes over the course of my life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's the ones that, yeah. like, shake you up, and they're the ones that, like, make you think about something profound, and this is one of them. And at the time, I didn't understand that it was an entire system of yoga, which you've since introduced me to. I didn't understand that it was a goddess and, like, this archetype. I had no idea about those things. I did receive it as a form of relaxation and mm-hmm. a kind of energy that was adjacent to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So that was back in 2015. Fast forward to 2020, the top of the year pre-COVID, when I was still living in Marina del Rey, I had found this cute little yoga studio that was a few miles away from my house. And once a week, I actually started going to this practice. And it was interesting because I found it on one of those apps, you know, like those fitness apps where like you can Mm -hmm. take all the different classes you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for, or so I thought, just a restorative yoga class, right? And I saw, oh, there's yoga nidra. Let me give that a try again. (laughs) (laughs) This is January, right at the top of the year that changed all of us. And 
I started going and I was just getting my whole life. So I kept going week after week after week. And the teacher, Serafina, beautiful teacher, was really getting me. I was realizing the deeper levels of yoga nidra, Mm. but slash and at the time I was actually using it as a tool. Not that this is bad, but I was using it as a tool for manifestation Mm -hmm. and Again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm getting to what I realized it to be <laughs> later on. <laughs> I say that to to really emphasize that I was still going into it unconsciously from a place of doing. That's right. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was realizing how the intention that she would guide us in setting at the top of the class and then letting that intention kind of move throughout my subtle body then it would show up in really powerful ways throughout my week, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was enjoying the rest aspect of it, but I was also enjoying what it was like bringing into my life. Again, not a bad thing, just naming how I was in relationship to it. So then when I was divinely led back home to Minnesota and living back at home with my family, your email that was sharing with your community and those on your newsletter that was letting people know about this offering, this beautiful offering that you provided right as COVID was really starting to rock the United States. I mean, it had been traveling throughout, obviously, Asia and Europe. And then it was just like, we were looking in North America like, okay, it's going to come mm-hmm. here too, right? Yeah. You, yours was the first email that I got that was offering a space for being held and moving through this new time from a place of rest and intention. And I just remember everything in me saying yes. And um, we have a mutual (laughs) friend, Octavia Rahim. She had also just at the end of 2019, she said, you you need to connect with Tracy Stanley. So I think that's how I even got on your email list. (laughs) But yes, and I signed up and I just got my whole life. And one of the offerings that you provided in it was a Yoga Nidra audio recording. I'm not kidding you, Tracy. I've probably listened to it and been held by it, I don't even know, close to 100 times by now. That's how much I've returned to it. (laughs) And in it, and particularly then within the energy of 2020, I have discovered, for me, Yoga Nidra to also have this deeply healing component that I never realized before, you know, because, well, and you're going to speak to it, but for me, it was because I was giving myself that permission to be held. And that is like something that I'm constantly praying and affirming now, like, that I have spaces where I can be held. And for me, being held means being deeply nourished, you know, means resting my mind as well as Mm -hmm. my body because Mm -hmm. I've found it. I've been in conversations with friends and team members of mine around this. We might give ourselves permission to rest the body, right? You go get a massage, you take a nap, you get a good night's sleep. But how often does our mind actually get a break as well? And the mind being this thing that's just constantly on, we're not meant to be constantly on. So it was the epitome of what you shared earlier around understanding that while there may certainly and there certainly are other practitioners with gifts and beautiful offerings, it matters so much that all of us remember that the gifts that we have and the purpose that we sense that we have will only be expressed 
uniquely because we are all so diverse and have these different narratives and histories and Mm -hmm. we're all here on purpose. So I'm just deeply grateful that you stand in your purpose and in your gifts and offer it because I came into it again, like a third time with you. And that was what led to the depth that I was able to see within Mm. Yoga Nidra. Mm. Well, I'm so glad that you shared your journey because it really shows the different levels of practice. And I'm not talking about that in a hierarchical way. I'm talking about it in a relational way. Whereas when you experiment and you receive the practice and you get to understand, oh, you know, I can receive this practice and it is a manifestation tool. It is a way for me to plant the seed of what I want to manifest in a place where I have the least resistance to my thriving. Love that. Because I'm resting. Right. So, so yes, it is a powerful manifestation tool. And then at the same time, we get to feel into this relationship with the feminine quality of nurturing, of holding, of being unconditionally loved and held. And that's what we can talk about the goddess as an archetype. Right. Yes. And then at the same time, you can have this other relationship where you begin to feel energy and you let go of all of the doing and that you even allow the body to fall asleep. You allow the mind to fall asleep. And then prana is just there and you allow yourself to let prana guide you back to your source. Yes. And so there are so many gifts and so many experiences that come from Yoga Nidra and so much wisdom really that emerges from it that you never know there could be 50 people in a room doing the same practice and they will all receive a different gift Mm -hmm. and a different experience. You'll receive what you need. Yeah. And so, you know, to circle back to where you started, it is a healing practice. Yeah. It really is. Hey y'all, I know you're loving the conversation that Tracy and I are having and I am coming in briefly to let you know about Organifi Gold. If you are hoping to add more rest and ease into your life, which I know you are, that's why you're here, that's why you're listening, I highly encourage you to check out Organifi Gold. It's a superfood blend. It's actually a tea that you can warm up at night, maybe add a little bit of almond milk or whatever it is that you drink, and it helps you relax and be at greater ease so you can wake up feeling refreshed and energized. It is completely organic. And it contains nine superfoods to help you be at ease. Some of the ingredients that I really love about it, turmeric, ginger, reishi, mushroom, lemon balm. Lemon balm is great because it has been used for so long, y'all, to help calm and relax the body, like for thousands and thousands of years. If you're interested in checking out Organifi Gold or any of the other organic superfood blends that Organifi creates, head over to Organifi.com slash BlackGirlAndOm. We're giving you 20% off. Again, that's Organifi.com slash BlackGirlAndOm. We'll hook you up with 20% off. You can also check out the show notes for more details.
I'd love to hear your thoughts on the relationship between yoga nidra and the nervous system. So if we're talking about healing, you know, I think about healing what? I mean, healing all kinds of things, right? Because you can bring your intention to it. It'll address that. But I just think about how most people are navigating the world right now with a very heightened nervous system and how we're constantly being bombarded with news of illness and disease and how then most people are so open to that, right? And Mm -hmm. then obviously just everyday stress on top of the fact that we're in a pandemic and on top of the fact that now there's more conversations about systems of oppression and how, on the one hand, necessary that is, and on the other hand, how triggering constantly that is. So there are so many factors at play that have us on edge and have nervous system activated. So how is yoga nidra powerful and healing for this? That's a great question because there's more in our environment to stimulate the fight or flight than there is the rest and digest. So we need to be able to consciously give ourselves rest. And yoga nidra is a practice that really begins to help you to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. And with more practice, it helps you to recognize when you're in the parasympathetic and to also understand what helps you to move into that space. So very simply, we could start by diaphragmatic breathing and observing our breath moving in the navel, the navel rising and falling as we inhale and exhale. And just that alone, if that was the only thing that you did, you either lied on your back or you practiced makarasana, crocodile pose for five minutes, your nervous system would start to shift. But in that, a lot can be revealed because it may not feel safe to fully relax. And that's where we get to come in touch with things that have been buried for a long time, whether it be trauma, whether it be beliefs. And so it's always important for us to have a support system around us, whether it's trusted spiritual guides or psychotherapists, to be able to help us to process this information that is revealed. Because in the silence and in the stillness, things will be revealed to you. Things will come up. Thoughts will will happen. Images, memories, And so we need tools to be able to process these things. But for yoga nidra to be a powerful healing tool, we need to be able to have a container to hold what arises. And it does expand our capacity to hold when we're in that fight or flight, to be able to self-regulate because now we're practiced. Mm -hmm. And it also expands our capacity to be held right so it's both i love that i love how seamlessly this is actually connecting to something else i wanted to be in dialogue with you about (laughs) (laughs) which is this idea of holding space for ourselves Mm-hmm. because i have been reflecting on how i show up as a teacher and also as a human in relationship with other humans and witnessing the times when 
I'm truly holding space and when I'm not. Because um, another teacher of mine who I did this beautiful 40-day self-love sadhana, so within, you know, kundalini with, at the very end of 2020, Shirley Johnson, she shared a whole word (laughs) about if you're not holding space for yourself, then you're inherently not holding space for someone else because it has to contain both of those. So witnessing the times when I might notice a trigger or notice some kind of emotion arise when I'm holding space for someone, but I'm pushing it aside because I'm telling myself, or rather the conditioning in my mind is telling me that that doesn't matter. And whatever this person is going through and whatever is present for this person is more important or whatever the the dialogue in my head is about. And I have found that yoga nidra is really powerful for me to remember how I deserve to be held. And with what you just said, it expands capacity around your ability to hold space and to be held. That's just so profound, I think. Yeah, it is. What I would say is for all yoga teachers, uh, and it's not to say that you need to learn how to offer yoga nidra, but if you give yourself regularly And I would say, starting with the 21-day sadhana, I'm always going to give a practice, that your understanding of what it means to be held, your understanding of what it means to hold space for yourself will shift drastically. (laughs) It will shift drastically. There's the way you walk into a space or the way you show up for your Zoom class it will be markedly different, not only in how you actually hold the virtual space or the physical space, but in how you create a krama, which means wide progression, of how all of your workshops and your events and your retreats progress. It starts with a different intention Mm. and it has a different wisdom around it. And I I definitely know, you know, it's interesting, you talked about the class that you joined at the beginning of the pandemic. And I had just returned in late February from Costa Rica from teaching. And I had my mask already on on the plane because I had been watching CNN and there was like 6000 people at this event. And I was like, I'm definitely putting a mask on. Right. So when I got back and saw what was happening and knowing kind of what was coming, I felt like I have to hold space and I have to have a free space because I want people to be able to really be held. Yes. I would not have, A, known what was needed if I hadn't had the stillness and the practice of yoga nidra, nor would I have been able to hold that kind of space in that time because it was a very scary time where we were on lockdown. The whole country was on lockdown. The whole world basically was on lockdown. And we were in the midst of a transition or a void, which was filled with fear and uncertainty and unknowing. Yet the practice of yoga nidra attunes you to partnering with the unknown. Mm. I love it. Another thing for people to marinate on for just a moment. I love it. 
Yeah. And so it was in that space of when you practice partnering with the unknown, because when you let yourself go, when you let go of doing, who am I if I let go of doing? Who am I if I surrender my body, I surrender my mind, and I just allow presence? What is that? That's yoga. I am literally tearing up right now because I think at the top of this or right before this, I told you, I was like, I feel like this is a very powerful week, very powerful time. And I feel like this is on time, like for us to be having this conversation for me personally. And I've this whole time I have felt you peering into my soul and saying all of these things that I need right now. And it's it's affirming so much. There's so many things. And I just, you know, I always pray and affirm that everyone who receives these messages, that it does that for them as well, right? That it's it's resonating in the precise way that they need at this moment in their lives. Everything that you just said shook me in the best of ways. So thank you for for that offering and for that reflection as well, because we talked about this actually um, in another conversation on this podcast about the void and Mm. about getting more comfortable there and about how Jazz, the moon mother, was speaking to this about how it's literally where we come from in the mother's womb in that you know, nine, nine-ish months, depending on how long we were there, but we were there. And that is where we returned to. I would love, because I love hearing you talk about it, for you to speak to how you understand the void and additionally just share how you've seen actually some of your students awaken to the power of the void in their own lives. I'm sure you get, because you get them from me, I know that. (laughs) I'm sure you get beautiful (laughs) reflections and shares about how the void has been shifting and and encouraging healing in people's lives. Yeah, I mean, the void, when we think about the void, we can think about this fourth state of consciousness that is known as Turiya, that is represented in the symbol of Om, right? And that place really can't be defined. It's, it's a place that is the ultimate kind of experience, so to speak, but non-experience because the void is both full and, and empty. And we don't even know when we have entered the void necessarily, the real void, but we do know when we've come back. We do know when we come back. And, and, you know, one of my teachers defined yoga as basically the practice of dying gracefully. That when we're really practicing yoga, we're just practicing to die gracefully. And so it just goes back to exactly what you just said. It's like we came from the void. We're returning back to the void. Yes. And every time we do a practice of yoga nidra, we are opening ourselves to the possibility that we touch that place. And when we come back, we're changed. So it's not just a practice. It's a ritual that you devote yourself to. And each time you become more and more, at least this is my experience, and this feels like the experience that my students share, that they become more and we become more and more our true selves. And we leave a little bit, a piece of, just 
misunderstanding, ignorance, all the avidya, it just starts to slowly dissolve. And yoga nidra at its core is a laya yoga practice. It is a practice of dissolution. Mm. It dissolves all that is not really us and our understanding of what we think is us, which is this gross matter. And it leads us to the understanding of what is most subtle. So students and people that I've worked with, there has been so many different experiences that have happened in yoga nidra, none of which I can take credit for, right? Because at some point when you're being guided, the person stops talking. <laughs> they stop guiding you. And you just rest in spacious awareness. And whatever happens there is happening by grace. If you want to be touched by grace, practice yoga nidra, lie down and rest and allow yourself to be guided or self-guide yourself. Thank you for that. That makes me think about how I started my yoga nidra training with you mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm currently on hiatus. And the reason why I'm laughing and smiling in response to you affirming how giving of grace she is, is because I remember in the first training session that you had with us in like the first guided practice, I think it was, we were encouraged to name what it was that we were most open to receive throughout the training. And my word was grace. (laughs) 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 And then when I started feeling, and I told you this, that intuitively I wasn't supposed to continue with the training at that time because I was realizing that I was kind of relegating the training to like, this is when I do it. And I realized that that's not, <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. how I can mm-hmm. interact with yoga nidra. I was like, this has to be actually central to my life. And it's not honoring for me to move forward in that way. And I think particularly because of what I was sharing earlier around my now two-ish years newfound awareness around how I have to really honor lineage. Like now that I've awoken to that, mm-hmm. right? I can't just be like, uh-huh. okay, mm-hmm. cool lineage. I'll just do another yoga teacher training and not like really go deep around where mm-hmm. this is sourced from. I was like, mm, I can't. <laughs> or rather my spirit guides were like, mm, you can't, honey. <laughs> Yeah, and and it and it also speaks to in the two months that you were in the training doing all the things that idea of holding space for yourself. Yes, right. Is that that came forward like, whoa, wait a second. Yes, the way that this practice is shifting me, it's showing me how to hold space for myself, and it's not happening in the way that I'm doing this right now. Absolutely, and so. You know, I definitely felt that and having the courage, first of all, to say, I need to put myself and my holding of my space and how it works with my life. I have to make that central. We have to prioritize that, especially as teachers, because we can't give anything that we don't have ourselves. It's not possible for us to give. Yes. Yes. And I would say like any way that you kind of enter yoga whether it's, again, vinyasa, kundalini, (laughs) tantra, all the things, remembering that it's not about, for me, it's not about learning to teach. 
For me, literally my first ever training that I did, it was because I myself was so deeply impacted by the practice. And I knew that I wanted to deepen my curiosity and expand my awareness around it. And I was realizing like, Lauren, you're not in this training just not to diminish teaching, but like you're not in it to teach. You're in it to deepen for yourself. And if you feel like you Uh can't really deepen in it in the way that you actually deserve, then just press pause. That's okay. So I got what I needed. I got the grace. (laughs) Yeah, I gave myself the grace. (laughs) And that's what we encourage people to do. So you you took it all the way, which is perfect, (laughs) because we're always telling the students, don't feel like you have to do every single solitary thing. You have this information for as long as you need it to go through an experience pick the practices that resonate with you and practice and deepen into those as opposed to trying to do every single little thing. Yes. So I'm happy that you honored yourself and also that you shared this as an example of how to really hold space for yourself. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I've grown a lot because me in the past probably would have gone a few months in and tried to force it when it was never something to be forced. On purpose. No, no, you're not going to. It's the absolute opposite of that. Yes. So, (laughs) I mean, that, that honestly, this is a whole nother conversation, but have you, have you gotten into the gene keys at all? No, I haven't. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of my gene keys, we'll talk about this on another conversation, but I'm just planting a little seed. (laughs) One of my gene keys is at the highest level, like the highest expression of of my life's purpose as evidenced through this spiritual and deeply scientific system of the gene keys is majesty. Mm. And at the midpoint of its expression, it's strength. But it's mm-hmm. a strength that is more so of like a Tai Chi type strength, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Strength through flow and ease. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at its lowest <laughs> expression, it's force. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So force, strength, majesty, right? Yeah. And I, I just think about how grace ties into all of that and how this is even seen in my decision and in me sharing, because this isn't something I would have even shared in the past. I would have been like, you know, shame comes up in ways that would surprise other people, right? Like to take a hiatus from this training to some people would be like, oh, that's a great thing to do. But me in the past, the perfectionist, the overachiever would have just put this on a list of things I have to do to prove something, right? Right. Of course. But this isn't that. <laughs> yeah. And also, we get shame from outside sources. For us, or at least for me, getting the note was kind of like, okay, we'll put it on pause and just let us know when you're ready to return. A more masculine system, patriarchal system, could have had a completely different reaction that would have reinforced the shame. So I think part of holding space for ourselves is also choosing the teachers that can hold the space also for us. Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad that you talked to this idea of strength and ease, because I think that's the really powerful thing. One of my teachers, Uma Dinsmir Tuli, talks about Nidra Shakti, the power of repose and the power that comes from sleep and being rested. And so it seems counterintuitive, but if you want to be powerful, you have to learn to give yourself these tools of rest. 
Yes. Thank you for that. I mean, that makes me think about your beautiful podcast, which I want to make sure that we also mention because Mm. everyone's going to love this and they're going to want more. And the great thing is you talk with several phenomenal people, leaders, spiritual teachers, practitioners about Radiant Rest. So could you speak just for a moment about your your podcast? Yes, thank you for asking that question. So the podcast really was born out of this desire to share the many ways and paths towards deep rest and sleep and dreams and yoga nidra and the power that they all possess. It felt like and feels like there's a big kind of thing happening around rest. And what I feel is happening a little bit is it is also being disconnected from the lineage not my lineage, but all the various lineages and all the indigenous cultures that have been teaching about sacred dreaming and lucid dreaming and all of the different things that we can do. So part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was to really talk to people that I knew in the community that were centering these practices around rest. And everybody has their unique voice and their unique experience. And it's so beautiful to hear everyone speak about it in such a different way. Yes. So that's the intention for the podcast. And then I just love having conversations with people that I like to talk to (laughs) and that I'm curious about and things I don't know. I like to get the answers. So it keeps it really fresh. Yes. I think it's amazing and so needed and so timely as well. So hopefully everyone can subscribe to the Radiant Rest podcast. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You are welcome. Um, I think the last thing to end on is more of a tip slash recommendation (laughs) Mm. because I'm not kidding you when you and Shanti the other beautiful person that well one of the beautiful people that you collaborate with and the co-founder right Mm -hmm. yes of your empowered wisdom yoga nidra training yeah you all introduced me to the idea of a rest nest And I think that if nothing else, everyone tuning in right now, if you can prioritize this, whether you align it with Yoga Nidra or whether you just lay down. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's brilliant. I think the relationship between the restness and nature is so beautiful. So if you could speak to that. Mm. Yeah. So nature, first of all, we are nature. All of the elements that exist outside of nature are in us. And when we can form a relationship with nature, it helps us to understand ourselves more in so many different ways. So one of the things that I really love to do is to practice in nature. And some of the tantric practices that I had been doing for a really long time, obviously in a yoga studio, when I would go outside, I would think, oh, well, This one practice that we were doing where we want to visualize a vast blue sky. Let me just go outside and just stare at the vast blue sky and visualize that vast blue sky in my heart. And what I started to realize was that the practices were that much more powerful Mm. when I was in the studio or I was away from nature because I was embodying the essence. It was in my cells, the remembrance. 
And then years after that, then I realized, oh, wait a second, there's a whole text that talks about these different practices that you can do in nature. So nature and practicing outside, and I have a bunch of nature amplification practices in the book, is really, really key. And a simple thing to do would be if you're feeling ungrounded is just to go and lie down outside on the physical earth and allow yourself to just feel into the fact that you are unconditionally held. You can think about the earth as the goddess who's there holding you and begin to feel the vibration of the earth because the earth has a vibration and let that vibration just kind of soak it up and allow yourself to just sink into the space. A rest nest or a yoga nidra nest is really a way for you to be that majestic queen or king or person that is really ultimately and absolutely supremely supported. So you get the coziest of your blankets and your pillows and your bolsters and everything that you need without skimping at all. And so the way that I like to ask people to do this is to set up your rest nest or your yoga nidra nest like you are setting it up for your most beloved. Because what we would see in teacher training is that we would show everyone how to create the nest. And then when they were doing it for someone else, it was luxurious and they made sure that every single thing and they went and got that extra block and that extra scarf for the eyes. But when they were setting it up for themselves, it was like, oh, this is good enough. I don't need any extra. Even though, you know, my heels are hurting or <laughs> I don't need any extra. And it's like, no, you do need the extra. This is part of holding space for yourself. Yes. And knowing that you're worthy and knowing that you deserve the best. You are your most beloved. Set yourself up like you're your most beloved. Yes. So beautiful. And then that practice extends into the other areas of your life. I think about how more recently I've been convicted in my awareness that I tell myself that I love cooking for other people more than myself, right? And that's, I see it. Like when my boo comes over, I'm like, ooh, chef in the kitchen, chef in the kitchen. But then when it's like a day when I'm by myself, I'm like <laughs> snacking <laughs> and I eat something that's, right. that's just a little sad looking, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, what does it look like to be as above and beyond for myself as I would, if not more than somebody else. Yeah, it will change your life to be able to bring yourself to a place where you can really truly love and honor yourself and make that your ritual. To love and honor yourself, devote yourself to that. Forget about all the other distractions, devote yourself to that. Thank you. That's a beautiful place to land, to rest. See, look, <laughs> magic. I'm so appreciative for you. Could you just share, if you could, you know, where people can connect with you, where people can order the book? Because we're all ordering the book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you can find me at radiantrest.com and you can order the book there. 
The book has a coupon code if you order it from Shambhala.com. They're offering 30% off, so you can find all that at RadiantRest.com. That's pretty much it. You can go to my personal website, which is Tracy with two E's, yoga.com to find out about events. And otherwise I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your energy, for your wisdom. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So meaningful to see you and, and be a part of your community. Thank you. On that note, real briefly, if you all would like to practice in community with us and Tracy, um, Tracy joined us as a special guest recently and offered a beautiful practice in the circle. So there's that as well. But I'm just so grateful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I affirm that you discover this conversation in divine time and that you'll activate any of the insights that resonated with you powerfully moving forward. Now, at Black Girl and Home, we're all about gratitude. So special thanks to our audio engineer, India Jordan, for adding your magic. Khalid B for your original music. And thank you, yes you, for listening. <laughs> Y'all, Black Girl and Home is here for you. We're actively rewriting the narrative of what well-being looks like to ourselves and in our communities. To get more involved and learn more about us, head to blackgirlinohm.com and join our newsletter while you're at it. If you do, you'll get an exclusive and free download of a meditation led by yours truly for Black women and girls everywhere. Are you also deepening into your journey of wholeness and healing with us on social? Follow us at Black Girl in Ohm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. What we're about here is real sustained impact. If you're influenced by something that you heard on our podcast and want to support, you can make a contribution today by heading to blackgirlinohm.com slash support. All right, y'all, breathe easy.